Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's good, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge in your week two NFL mega preview right here. Powered, as always, by the best sports betting brand in all of sports line or sports line. And we are presented as always. Great to have bet MGM on board for every single show. Now this is where we break down every single game on the NFL slate. There's Thursday, several uh, at one, I believe eight at one o'clock, two at four Oh five, two at four twenty five. Sunday night football. And then this week two, two Monday night football games. I got two of the very best in the business. Let's bring in the stars of the show. You know, them. You love him? R.J. White, Larry Hartstein are here. And gentlemen, we have no time to waste. We got to jump right in. Thursday night, 820 Eastern, Vikings and the Eagles. Eagles land seven, total 48. R.J., let's start with you. The Eagles look solid in week one, workmanlike over the Patriots. Did they? I mean, it was kind of a fake final for both teams. Uh, Minnesota outplayed in Tampa, but turnovers were killer there. But I thought they played a much better game than people are giving them credit for. The defense actually looked much improved. 242 yards allowed, 3.6 yards per play. Um, so I think that's a positive sign for them. They just got to work on the dumb stuff that Kirk Cousins does here and there with those those bad fumbles, bad picks. Um, Philly played well in the first quarter, fell apart after, lucky to win the game. I thought they were actually handled by the Patriots for the most part. New England was in Philly, Philly territory on seven of their last eight drives. Where was the Philly defense? Philly's supposed to have one of the best defenses in the league. And they just did not show up for a lot of that game. I think it's a very positive sign for for New England's offense moving forward. They were able to do that. So despite the Kirk and primetime narrative, I think the, the Vikings can cover here at the plus seven. But I think you need the hook. Um, we did see plus seven and a halfs available briefly. I would wait for that and see if we can get plus seven and a half and then hope that we can get maybe a backdoor cover because the, the Eagles defense does not look as as vaunted as it's cracked up to be. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. I agree with that a lot. That seven and a half looks a lot better, Larry, than seven does. What say you? Yeah, I appreciate it, and I'm jealous of RJ because he jumped on the Vikings when he got more than a touchdown. That was posted on Sportsline. Fletcher Cox is hurt. James Bradbury is hurt. N'Kobe Dean is hurt. Kenneth Gainwell is hurt. Reed Blankenship is hurt. That was a costly week one victory for the Eagles, who only averaged 4.1 yards per play, which is half of what the Dolphins averaged per play. Vikings totally dominated. They threw a pick at the goal line. They lost two fumbles, a false final. I agree that the Vikings are the play. It's really important to look at how things happen in week one and not just look at the scoreboard. Very, very important to Larry's point. All right, game number two, and it's the first one o'clock game we're going to talk about. This was my lock of the week all over TikTok. I said Ravens minus 10, and that was also very workmanlike. They won 25 tonight. Now, they go on the road, Larry, to Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati's favored by more points than they scored in week <laughs> number one. Three and a half is the number, 46 and a half. Talk to me. Yeah, well, we talked about injuries with the Eagles. What about the Ravens losing two key offensive linemen, losing J.K. Dobbins, and the Bengals always struggle against the Browns. Joe Burrow one and five against the Browns, but he loves facing the Ravens. He's averaged over 300 yards passing against that defense. The Ravens' offense was not very impressive uh, in the debut of the new offensive coordinator, so I agree that the Bengals are the play here. I don't want to lay more than a field goal and coach. If you bet on every team that lost by double digits in week one and you bet on them in week two, you're hitting about 65% over the past decade. And in sports betting, that's a really, really good number. RJ, let me come to you. With that .5 or that hook, it changes a lot for me. Also, I don't know how healthy Joe Burrow is. They had one receiver last week that had over 12 yards, and his name was not Jamar Chase. It was a bad offensive performance. Your thoughts? His name wasn't T. Higgins either because he couldn't catch the ball. He got eight targets and no catches. Um, that's not going to be the case moving forward. He's a, obviously a very talented receiver. The new look Baltimore offense, Larry's right, never got going versus Houston. I think that's a good sign for Houston's defense. Um, but uh, even though they scored a bunch of points, you know, it wasn't that impressive of an offensive game there. Since he's offense dreadful with the weather, Burrow returning from injury, he starts slow because he's always injured in the preseason for whatever reason. Um, so I think that this is going to be a close game. Um, three and a half, you're probably looking to the Ravens, but, but, I, with those injuries Larry talked about, I don't want to play them. I'm going to wait for the three and play Cincinnati. Their pass defense is solid. Rush defense gets to go from facing Chubb to Dobbins' backups in Baltimore, um, plus an offensive line that's beat up. going to be a much easier test for them this week. Uh, so this is really about which off pass offense gets on track first, even if you believe in the Baltimore pass offense. I have more faith that the Bengals will get it done with their weapons. So I would lay it, but wait till you get the three. Maybe two of the most disappointing names of week one, J.K. Dobbins and Aaron Rodgers. Boy, debilitating what happened last night on Monday Night Football. All right, game number three, also at 1 o'clock on Monday. And RJ, I'm coming right back to you. The Bears, and once you get out of the preseason, a team is who they say that they are. And they looked awful, scoring 20, but giving up 38 to the Green Bay Packers. They're traveling to Tampa Bay. Tampa's favored by three, the total 41 and a half. Talk to me. Yeah, we took this game on the Sunday look-ahead line on the early edge at 10 a.m. We said there's no reason the Bears should be favored on the road against anyone, and they were minus one and a half against the Buccaneers. Now we see this line switch all the way to three. So hopefully you got that number. Um, in this terms, I think it, it switched too much. I don't think the I think the Bears are bad. I have a bet on them to be the worst record in the league. But I don't think they're as bad as they showed, probably. And I don't think the Buccaneers, like we talked about with Minnesota, are as good as they showed. This should be an easier matchup for Chicago's offense after Green Bay completely stifled them. Um, not easier for Chicago's defense unless they're getting more pressure on the quarterback. So generate court pressure on Baker Mayfield. And uh, he's probably going to fold a little bit. Tampa's offense did not play well despite the win. 3.6 yards per play versus a Minnesota defense that everybody hates. Um, so with the look-ahead move here, I think it's moved too much. Chicago plus three is the play. Let's see if we can get three and a half, though. Maybe the market will give us a little bit better value. What do you think, Larry? I think that the the Buccaneers offense was pathetic, even though they won. 3.6 yards of play was the worst outside of the Giants, who did nothing, and the Bengals, who did nothing. So, yeah, asking them to cover a number, even against the Bears and even against a Justin Fields, who does not look like he has developed as a passer, is so disappointing. I mean, maybe it'll come, but DJ Moore, uh, Chase Claypool, you know, all the weapons that they supposedly have, uh, it doesn't look like it's happening right now. So uh, I'm, I'm with RJ. I would take the points, but what an ugly game. Yeah, it almost screams, don't watch me. Just don't watch me. Now, 
a game that I do want to watch. And I'm going to go to the Packers. They scored 38. Jordan Love, we might be ushering in the new era for the next quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. They're favored on the road. And, Larry, I'm coming back to you. In Atlanta, the Falcons looked really good towards the second half, winning by double digits over the Panthers. Total at 40 and a half. Your thoughts? My thoughts are the Falcons are going to have to do a little bit more offensively uh, and target their receivers if they want to win this game as well. It's not going to be as easy as it was against Bryce Young making his first start on the road. The Packers, though, you got to look for Aaron Jones. He was the offense, I believe, 123 yards from scrimmage. A.J. Dillon comes in, 13 carries, 19 yards. If Aaron Jones can't go and he's dealing with a hamstring injury, that debilitates this Green Bay offense because Christian Watson, no guarantee that he'll play either. He's saying he's not going to go on the – I are, but it doesn't look to me at this point like he will play or lit or that he'll practice in full. And he is obviously their number one wide out. I think the Falcons defense showed a little something, especially Jesse Bates, you know, two interceptions, forcing a fumble. David Onyemata played well up front. There's hope for that Falcons defense, which there wasn't last year. Yeah, that's a big, big deal. And Desmond Ritter, his progression, RJ, that's going to be pivotal to see if Atlanta competes for the NFC South. Your thoughts? You know, it looks like they are very scared of whether he's progressed or not because they did not want to throw the ball downfield <laughs> at all. They did not want to take any risks with him in the game. They figured they would win it with run game and defense, and it worked. But it's not going to work every week. And what happens when they get behind and they have to pass the ball? Um, I think they're probably scared of that. So we'll see if he can do it. Um, but that's kind of game context. If they do fall behind, I might ha hammer the Packers live line, whatever it is, not expecting that comeback. I think if the Falcons have to play from ahead. Jordan Love played well around the limitations at receiver, um, playing with those two rookies more featured than probably they expected early on um, and Dobbs is going to be more healthy in this game and, and less limited so that's going to help too um, but you know you lose Aaron Jones that's a big loss too like Larry's saying Atlanta defense good game for, but it was versus a relatively easy pass offense not a lot of receivers to worry about there this could be a tougher test depending on the health of Christian Watson I think Green Bay's defense is still the best unit in this game and it's possible the Green Bay offense is the second best if they get some of these players healthy and we know that we're going to have Jones and Watson in this game um, I understand why the market has moved it to minus one and a half I would lean that that way to Green Bay, but not in a rush to play it. I want to see the health of these players. It certainly does not help any running backs in the NFL with their argument that they should get paid more when Aaron Jones goes down, J.K. Dobbins goes down. It just doesn't help them at all. All right, we'll get to the rest of the 1 o'clock games. Before we do that, you know the crew, they're all over the place, including CBS Sports HQ. And you can download the CBS Sports app. Hit that little thing up in the corner, and you got CBS Sports HQ. You are watching NFL Week 2 Mega Preview with Larry Hartstein and R.J. White, presented, as always, by our good friends at BetMGM. All right, speaking of yuck, Colts laying one and a half. Texans, the home team, total 40. R.J., coming to you. Do we watch this game? Of course, we watch this game. Two rookie quarterbacks that uh, we're interested to see who takes uh, progress here. D'Amico Ryan's already making progress on defense, making a difference. Held Baltimore to 4.6 yards per play. Not a, an incredibly low number, but still pretty impressive considering the talent he has on that unit. Um, Houston's offensive line, though, still a problem. But Indy had two sacks against a bad Jacksonville offensive line. Maybe they can work around it here, um, even with their offensive line issues and with all those injuries. Richardson was inconsistent, but he was better than I expected. But again, Jacksonville defense might not be as good as people people understand. Um, so we'll see if he can continue that and if he can shake off the injury he picked up at the end of that game. I'm not surprised the market's backing Indy. I think the Houston defense carries the day. I would lean to Houston in this one. All right. Larry, what about you? 
I'm right there with you because Will Anderson had a great debut for D'Amico Ryan's defense. They did play very well against Baltimore. What an ugly game again, I have to say. But, you know, do the Colts have any running backs? Do they have injuries at running back? I just feel bad for Anthony Richardson. He did acquit himself well uh, in his first game. I think throwing for 223 yards was very impressive, uh, and they should have covered the game. Uh, they got down in Jacksonville territory many, many times and just didn't cash it in. But I would lean Texans because of that defense. All right, next game. And this is a very, very interesting one because I think when the schedule came out that we thought it'd be against two 1-0 and teams. Well, the Jags did their part. The Chiefs without Travis Kelsey, without Chris Jones, who, by the way, got a deal done. He'll be on the field on Sunday. So, Larry, let me come to you. Chiefs are favored by three on the road. The total is 51. Uh, are you a believer in the Jags? Not in this game. This is a great matchup. When you can get the Chiefs at a field goal or less, coming off a loss with extra time to prepare, and Chris Jones back in the lineup for a defense that played well. I think they acquitted themselves very well against a very exciting and explosive Lions offense, and you just hope some of the Chiefs receivers catch the ball. I mean, if Travis Kelsey comes back, I believe that this will close above three, and I know he has a chance to come back, but even if he doesn't, they have plenty of weapons. If guys simply make the easy catch. I love the Chiefs here because that Jags defense did not impress me at all. When you let Anthony Richardson, you know, throw for over 220 and he is so raw, what is Patrick Mahomes going to do? That's a very, very good question. Now, uh, Andy Reid came out, RJ, and he backed Kadarius Toney. He said, hey, that's not like him. So I feel like they're going to give him another shot to be a main part of this offense, and they're going to need him because we have no idea yet if Kelsey's going to be able to play. Your thoughts? Yeah, Giants fans would beg to differ with with Mr. Reed there. But uh, Kansas City's offense competed despite all the receiver drops. It was very impressive to see. What if Kelsey is back? Um, we'll see. It. We'll see. It. He makes all the difference. It seems because nobody else can catch a pass there. Um, but I figured they would they would feature some more receivers in the game um, after you know the struggles of the other guys if they need to. Jones returns after that defense gave up 14 points to Detroit's offense. Remember they had a pick six in that game off of one of those deflections. Um, Brandon Scherf banged up in the Jaguars game. Um, we'll see if he can play. You know that's not the guy you want to lose when you're facing Chris Jones um, coming back for his first game. Jacksonville did deserve to, to beat Indy. They deserved that win, but that game was closer than the final score. It could have been another touchdown at the end of the game for Indy and Jacksonville probably, um, you know, tacked on a few more points than they might maybe should have in the second half anyway. Um, Indy's offense ended in Jacksonville territory seven times and ended the game on the one-yard line. Like I said, too many weaknesses on Jacksonville, I think, to put them in the class of Kansas City. So I agree with Larry. Even though power rating-wise, three seems like the right the right line. Um, Chiefs are just way out, out of Jaguars class and they should win this game. All right, very, very good. Now another team that was very, very disappointing. They play at 1 o'clock. They're traveling to Tennessee, and I'm talking about the L.A. Chargers. Wow, what a show. But Miami, Tua, and Tyreek Hill. But the Chargers are favored on the road, minus three, total 45. RJ, right back to you. So the Titans cover, do not win, even though they got the worst performance by a quarterback, including Joe Burrow, last week um, because Ryan Tannehill looked like he was done in, in the league. Hopefully he won't play that that poorly moving forward, but it was a completely ugly game. I'm surprised they didn't go to Malik Willis at some point, considering he's apparently made some strides from what he was last year. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays some this season. Um, Miami didn't test the Chargers' run defense at all because it didn't need to. The pass defense um, was awful there, um, but Tennessee is going to need to, and they 
have the guy to do it with uh, Derrick Henry and not lean too much on Ryan Tannehill. Tennessee's defense is not terrible, especially in scoring range. Um, they, they did a good job with the Saints there, but Chargers are probably going to score points, so, so Titans are going to have to keep up. I think the lean here is to the over at 45, um, but I would say that, that Chargers should throw more this week because of that, and uh, Tennessee, I think, because of Mike Vrabel's status as an underdog, I want to back them. Hopefully we can get a three-and-a-half, though. Yeah, and I like that play to the over because that defense, Larry, by the Chargers last week was awful, awful. What do we do on the road this week? I think they look a little bit better against Ryan Tannehill than they did against Tua. And I think that, I mean, the Chargers made so many boneheaded plays in that game. They probably should be 1-0. This is one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, but you have to check the status of Austin Eckler. That guy was electric, 164 yards from scrimmage. But Josh Kelly comes in and does great, too. So they do have backups, but Austin Eckler is another level. I would lay the points if I know that Austin Eckler is good to go because Ryan Tannehill was, like RJ said, the worst worst quarterback in week one with three picks they didn't give the ball to Derrick Henry that much which was a little surprising and the couple times they did in the fourth quarter he didn't go anywhere uh it just it just looked bad for Tennessee even though they did cover with the gift field goal from Mike Vrabel which a lot of people are questioning how come he didn't go for it on fourth down yeah, it's a big question. Sometimes in week one, guys don't want to take chances, but every win every week matters. Now, as I told you for, what, th- three days now, we are thoroughly, thoroughly honored and privileged that BetMGM has come on board with the early edge. Now, I've got a pretty good deal for those of you who are not yet BetMGM customers because new BetMGM customers can sign up today and get $200 in bonus bets. Just place your first wager of at least $10. doesn't matter if you win. doesn't matter if you lose. They're going to throw $200 right to your account, and you can keep playing and play the best bets from Larry and RJ. It's all you got to do. Use the promo code EDGE200. That's promo code EDGE200. All right, getting back to the 1 o'clock games. Boy, the Bills... RJ, they've got some work to do because you're talking about a team that was up 10 on a Jets team that lost Aaron Rodgers four plays into the game. And then they allowed them to come back and beat them in overtime. They welcomed the Raiders. The Raiders barely got past the Broncos. How are you looking at this one? Yeah, awful performance by the Bills, but, you know, it's the Jets. And I'm, I'm kind of getting into the sense that this is just going to be the thing with the Jets when they play them. Josh Allen presses too much. He throws it downfield into coverage. He throws stupid passes that he wouldn't throw against any other team. That's just going to be the thing that you have to live with, and they should not have lost that game. But it is what it is. The nine was 10 in this game before that before that happened. And after the Bills lost, it dropped eight and a half for no reason whatsoever because the Raiders' are, are defense is nothing like the Jets' defense. It might be the polar opposite. Um, now we're seeing it creep back up we locked it in at eight and a half on sports line with the bills um i think you could still play it anywhere under 10 i my power ratings would put it at 12 um the vegas defense was not tested last week versus the denver offense they kept everything short it was a joe lombardi special that won't be the case against buffalo we know allen can throw it deep it's going to expose the subpar raiders defense vegas offense kind of had the same script to the denver offense um the longest play in that game was 21 yards so nobody was going deep with the ball at all i think the buffalo defense holds them to 17 or less i think the buffalo offense goes off after being mad for what they did against the Jets and scores 30-plus here, and the Bills run away with it. I tend to agree, Larry, with RJ because the offense is not going to be happy. Josh Allen throwing three picks to the same guy is not going to be happy. I think this is going to be a home field game where the crowd goes bananas and they play downhill. Do you agree? I definitely agree the Bills are winning this game. Uh, There's almost no question that they are going to win, but – 
I think it's a big number. When you consider it's a short week, you could have a hangover from this devastating loss where your quarterback turns the ball over four times. And the Raiders offensively, to me, have a lot of promise. Josh Jacobs was rusty in week one. I think he's going to be better in week two. And Jimmy G, after he throws that pick and they're down 13 to 10, what does he do? Marches them down six plays, 75 yards and a touchdown. All the comments coming out, especially from Devontae Adams, they believe in this guy. And Jimmy G is now like 41 and 16 or 41 and 18 as a starter in the regular season. When he's healthy, to me, he is better than Derek Carr and the Raiders teammates, I think, are appreciating that they have someone that they that can win. So I don't think they're going to win the game, but I think he's going to get enough points to cover. It was a really big deal that they got a win last week, even though it was over Denver. It was on the road, and they will be on the road this week. All right, one more game at 1 o'clock. So the Seahawks, and they came out, and we all talked about how great they're going to be, and they're going to be the team in the uh, NFC West, and it's all going to be about them, not the 49ers. And then the Rams laid it on them in Seattle. So now Seahawks 0-1. They traveled to a Detroit team that is going to be on an absolute high. The Detroit Lions. Minus six coming out that Thursday night win in Kansas City. The total at 47. Larry, you're up. My gut as a better was this is a great spot for the Seahawks. I mean, they couldn't have looked worse. The Lions get the standalone win over the Chiefs, so they're inflated. The look ahead was only minus three. Now it's minus six. You're getting great value on Seattle. But then you look, Seattle lost both of their starting offensive tackles. That's not good. They had one first down in the second half. Geno Smith basically was like the guy that we saw at the end of last season and not the first 10 games. And you get the Lions with extra time to prepare. And like you said, Coach, that place is going to be rocking they are so pumped for this year and this team and Jameer Gibbs we saw some flashes of what he can do he is going to be more involved in the game plan so right now I am totally leaning the other way from my initial gut all right what about you RJ yeah, I can't play the Lions minus six. I, I agree that that the gut says Seattle plus six is the play. You just it's an obvious spot to take Seattle, but um, the offensive tackle are an issue there with both of them hurt. If even one of them is out, I'm not sure I can back Seattle in this game considering how bad that offense looked in the second half. And they didn't even seem like they were trying with some of those play calls. Um, they would just get, kind of gave up in the second half, and you don't love to see that in week one. Um, but the Lions are an overrated team, just 14 points without the pick six. KC averaged 5.1 yards per play despite the receivers dropping. It seemed like half the passes that were thrown to them. Um, so it, it should have been a much different game uh, for Detroit. And I think this is overrating them here. Um, if Seattle is even, you know, a solid team, if they're not a terrible team, which maybe they are after that Rams game, or maybe the Rams just have their number like Bills versus Jets. So um, we'll see. I think Seattle's probably the right play, but the offensive tackle injuries will probably keep me off the game. All right. Great analysis from two of the absolute very best. So those are all the 1 o'clock games, also Thursday Night Football, but we got a lot more to get to. But not before we tell you, the incredible company we're so lucky to work for, CBS, we've got our hands everywhere. Ooh, the Gamecocks. They got something in front of them going on the road to Athens. It's going to be a tough one. So is going on the road for the New York football giants, gentlemen. They're going to a Cardinals team where we both don't know what they are. We know the Giants got beat 40 to nothing. And yet, and yet, Larry, <clears throat> they're favored by five and a half over the Arizona Cardinals on the road. The total is 40. Explain this to me. 
It's hard to explain, especially when your best offensive lineman, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, he had a hamstring injury early in that game. He gutted it out, and he played 53 of the 70 snaps against the Cowboys. They should have gotten him out much, much earlier because the rest of the offensive line is a total mess. So even though the Giants are going to play better, teams coming off blowout losses like they did are always a great bet. There is absolutely no way with that offense that I could lay that kind of number. (laughs) RJ, what about you? Yeah, the teams in those spots are typically a great bet because the market undervalues them. But I don't think you can undervalue a team that's favored by five and a half on the road. It just shows you how much that the market hates Arizona, Um, even though they competed in that game. I think Arizona showed something defensively in that game. Um, Not that Washington should be expected to score a ton of points. This was the worry with them coming into the season. How could they cover seven? But Arizona defensively might have a little something. The offense is is another question. So um, we'll see if they can handle it against the Giants. It seems like an under game, but I can't lay the five and a half with the Giants here. I know a lot of survivor people are going to play the Giants because they attack the Cardinals. But that seems like a iffy proposition to me if Andrew Thomas is not able to play in this game. And we really know how good the Giants are. That Dallas game got out of hand quickly. They could be a solid team. They could be a bad team. Um, you know, you can't really tell by the game script what was going on there. Um, Arizona's offense is bad as expected. 42 second half yards allowed by the defense to back up what I was saying there. So I think they can have a good game defensively. I think this could be a, a, a low scoring tight game, uh, just like the first game with the Cardinals was and uh, they end up covering my rule for survivor pools is this you take only home teams until you can't do that anymore you would if you take the giants against arizona it's your own fault if you lose it's your own fault all right we got a best bet in our next game and this one this this line right now is very fascinating to me the 49ers are laying eight and a half on the road they did look good in pittsburgh but the rams looked good in seattle as well scoring 30 in the process total 44 and a half I mean, that's way too many points, is it, Larry? I don't believe it is. I think the 49ers are for real. What we saw at Pittsburgh with the entire world on the Steelers, including myself, is something you cannot ignore. The Steelers didn't get a first down until almost halftime. That's how dominant the 49ers were. I mean, offensively, they did whatever they wanted. And now you're taking on a Rams team that people think, oh, they might not be so bad. And Stafford played great. But against the 49ers, he's 0-4 in the regular season. You look at his numbers. I posted this pick on Sportsline. This number is only going up. I think the 49ers are going to close even higher than this as you get throughout the week. And, you know, what the Rams did to the Seahawks was, you know, was amazing for them. But there was a lot of fluky plays. There was nothing fluky about what the 49ers did. No doubt. It was really solid offense. Chris McCaffrey was dynamic, had a great touchdown run in that defense, RJ. That defense is solid. All right, go ahead real quick, Larry. I just wanted to add one thing, and they will have a lot, a lot of fans in L.A. It's not going to be like some massive home field edge for the Rams. SoFi always sounds like uh, South Beach West or Southern Northern California West or South. It's, it's always that way. So many seats in that place, and people love to come to L.A. R.J., do you think this line is going to continue to move up? I think it could. I just don't see the value in it unless the Rams are one of the worst teams in the league. And maybe they are. But after what they showed last week, especially in the second half, I don't think we can say that anymore. I don't think a team with a healthy Matthew Stafford can be considered one of the worst teams in the league, considering how well he played in that game. San Francisco obviously answered all doubts. I moved them up to tie for first in my power ratings, even though I had a lot of questions about them coming into the season. They answered all of them against Pittsburgh. So no, no shade on them anymore. This line is still too high for me. I think seven and a half is where it should be. So if it does go up, I might be tempted to play the Rams 
even standing in front of that San Francisco train um, because Rams show they're just not going to be a pushover with Stafford at quarterback and stopping a Canada offense, which is what, what um, the 49ers did last week with Matt Canada and stopping a McVay offense are very different monsters. Um, so uh, I, I, I give them a little bit tougher time in this game, even if any of the San Francisco dominates. I mean, Stafford can just throw eight passes to Puka Nakua down the, the field and get a touchdown to cover the back door. So I, I think the Rams are probably going to be the better play here. Okay, very, very good. All right, let's stay in an NFC site because this is another number that kind of fascinates me. And I'm wondering if maybe it's because, RJ, the Jets came back and beat the Bills the way they beat the Bills and the fact that uh, their quarterback looked okay filling in for Aaron Rodgers. But the Cowboys are favored by 9.5 right now, still below 10, the total 39.5. Your thoughts? Yeah, you adjust five points down for losing Rodgers down to Wilson um, is, what, is what we said before the season. And I think in the market, that makes sense. I actually had the Jets a little bit lower than the market because I didn't believe in Aaron Rodgers as much as the market did. Um, so I didn't adjust him quite down as much. I still got this line to eight and a half. So I think the, the, the line as it is now makes sense. Dallas's D just exploited the Giants offensive line issues and the Jets offensive tackle issues. Maybe just the same story after what we saw and what they did for Aaron Rodgers in that game. Dallas's offense got great field position on that game. Didn't have to do much. We don't know anything about the Cowboys offense after how the script of that game went. Um, so maybe they struggle against the Jets and they have a tough time covering a big number. I had, like I said, I had discounted the Jets already compared to the market fading Rodgers. So um, with Wilson, I have the minus two in power ratings right now. Spread is okay. I think the play was the under. We took it at 45 and a half before the, uh, the, before the Monday game. Um, just got lucky on the injury news, but always felt like this game was going to trend toward the under. Would still play it under 40 and a half with Wilson at quarterback. It kind of feels like, Larry, we could have like a, a 30 to 9 game or like 27 to 7, which would play right into the under. What do you think? Yeah, that score wouldn't shock me at all, Coach, because Zach Wilson, I mean, it did what they needed to do last night, but they got the value, the benefit of four turnovers, a punt return for a touchdown. I mean, it's not like he moved the offense well. Oh, and a catch for the ages from Garrett Wilson. So uh, I just don't think uh, that the Jets' offense is going to do anything with Zach Wilson all season. He proved over the last couple of seasons uh, that he's one of the worst quarterbacks in football, and this is just so devastating for that team. The defense will play well. Brees Hall looked amazing, but the Cowboys know all we need to do really is stop Brees Hall and they don't have to blitz to get pressure against this Jets offensive line so yeah to me it's lay it or stay away yeah lay it or stay away now I'm looking and I'm trying to figure out how the commanders eventually got it done because they did not look good last week at all and Larry I'm coming right back to you because they're traveling to the Denver Broncos and the Broncos and I put out a tweet and I was like oh the Broncos being the Broncos Russ hasn't got any better and like, oh, wait a second coaches and I was like, they have a new coach. It was supposed to be a new offense, and they looked the same. But yet, they're favored by three and a half over Washington, 39 and a half. Larry, go. Yeah, if they don't deliver here, I think we can legitimately question, does Sean Payton still have it? Because this is a great spot for Denver. Coming off a loss against the Commanders team with Eric Bieniemy, his debut as the play caller, 3.8 yards per play against Arizona at home. If Jerry Judy comes back, I think Denver will roll because they just need some playmakers. I mean, Russell Wilson didn't play bad. They just didn't have the explosion after losing Tim Patrick. If Jerry Judy comes back, I like Denver in this spot. All right. What about you, RJ? I completely disagree that Wilson looked like the same quarterback as last year. I think he looked at the same level of bad, but it was a completely different version of bad. Last year, he just could not throw the ball downfield 
at all. And they, I guess they can I guess he couldn't do it this off season either because they countered that by throwing everything short. It was a Joe Lombardi special. He completed like a ton of his passes, I think 27 to 34, something ridiculous like that. And uh, couldn't throw for any yardage and couldn't move the ball downfield at all. So same, same, it's a completely different script, but it's the same issues there for, for Russ in that they're just not moving the ball. Um, Denver's home field advantage early in the year was not enough to beat a bad Vegas team. And uh, with Russ not throwing down the field, um, I don't know how they're going to cover this number again against commander seems like a very similar game here sam howell honeymoon's already over after three point yards per play 3.8 yards per play against arizona a team that nobody really respects it's going to be a three or four point game either way low scoring so why not just take the points especially if you're getting over the three and a half yeah it kind of feels like how i want to lean as well all right this one's going to be pretty cool because last week the patriots to rj's point Nearly came back and beat the Eagles at home. Tom Brady being honored before the game, all of that. Now they welcome in the Dolphins team who was flying high. Tua, 466. Tyreek, well over 200 yards. They understand how good they can be. They're laying two and a half. RJ, right back to you. Over the Patriots, total 46 and a half. This is one of your best bets. Talk to me. This is one of my best bets because I'm going against the perception and I love the Patriots in this game. P- uh, Philly ended um, minus three and a half in New England and now Miami is minus two and a half. So we're saying Miami's only one point worse than Philly, a team that a lot of people had in the Super Bowl. Um, so Miami's a Super Bowl contender. Go bet their Super Bowl odds now. Apparently they're going to the Super Bowl. Um, Tua was incredible, but New England's defense showed hints of being elite against that Philly offense um, and able to shut them down and, and, and do some good stuff there. Philly's offense, just one touchdown drive, 4.1 yards per play, while the, the New England offensive line held up against this elite Philly defensive line that kind of disappeared. The run game wasn't there for New England in that game. Stevenson didn't do anything, but Miami just gave up 234 rushing yards they can go to that tool in the toolbox this week. And Mac Jones looked very good under the Bill O'Brien offense already in week one. Um, so I'm very positive on them moving forward. I think they'll be able to score against this Miami defense and play enough defense and play enough defense on their own to get the win. I don't think we're going to get the three. So I think locking in at plus two and a half is the smart move here or teasing it up. If you still have teasers available at your book at minus 120, great teaser leg. I don't see how the Dolphins win this game by, by eight and a half, more than eight and a half points. I'm so glad you mentioned that they can score on this defense. Edwin in the chat says, I love this over, the number 46 and a half. What did you make of that, uh, Larry? Well, the Dolphins did lose the last matchup to the Patriots, but that was with Teddy Bridgewater. Tua, uh, they didn't lose to the uh, Patriots, excuse me, and, and they won four straight in the series until that last game last season. So that's kind of what has me hesitating to join RJ. The spot is great for the Patriots. Everyone's in love with the Dolphins and and the show they put on, but going against that New England defense and Bill Belichick in New England is a lot different than facing the Chargers defense. So yeah, I mean, lean Patriots, but I would love to get a full three. All right, that is Sunday night football. Now this week, and for the next couple of weeks, ESPN has decided to do two games, but it's not at 7 and 10.15. They're going to kind of stack them. It's going to be 7.15 and 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. So, Larry, coming right back to you. The first game in Carolina, the Panthers hosting the Saints. Saints are favored here, three and a half. The total, 40 and a half. For game number one on Monday night, your thoughts? 
I like the Panthers at anything over a field goal at home. I don't think the Saints should be laying this kind of a number. We saw them struggle in the red zone. We saw the left tackle, Penning, have a lot of issues. And Brian Burns, you know, comes back, and he had an, a monster game for Carolina. I know they lose the corner, J.C. Horn, but their defense played well. It was just the turnovers that Bryce Young had. And, of course, he's going to have to worry about that at home, too. But I just think at home getting over a field goal against the Saints offense, you know how conservative Dennis Allen is. Uh, that guy is not in attack mode. He just wants to get out of there with the win. He'll be more than happy to win by three or win by one, as he did last week against Tennessee. I'm taking the points. All right. What about you on game number one, RJ? Yeah, Carl looked good outside of the red zone, but did not look good once they got into scoring range. Um, New Orleans rush offense didn't look good anywhere. Um, their defense was helped by that horrendous Tannehill game, just kind of handed them the game. Um, and Henry not being featured for whatever reason, he played less snaps than Ty J Spears, which was you know weird game plan there for Tennessee in a winnable game. Um, Panthers are not going to make that mistake. Miles Sanders will get the ball plenty. Chuba Hubbard will get the ball plenty because they uh, they don't have a lot of depth at receiver. But they're going to be better offensively as the receivers get healthier and the run game already looks pretty solid carolina's defense allowed 221 yards and two of 10 third downs they can handle mediocre offenses and the saints might have a mediocre offense outside of chris olave so i agree with larry i think plus three and a half is the play if you can get plus three and a half um and then hope that the panthers can do enough offensively to stay in this game all right final game of the week and this is a cleveland browns team that a lot of smart people a lot of smart people guys they said last week i like the browns over the Bengals. And they went out and laid it on a 24-2-3. Now, they're traveling on the road to Pittsburgh, a team that just got laid out by the 49ers. So the Browns are favored by two and a half. The total, 39 and a half. RJ, start us off. Seems like a great spot for Pittsburgh. We know Tomlin with his back to the wall can, can coach him up with the best of any of them. Um, but it's hard to back them after the offense no-showed. And they're just decimated by injuries. Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth on the offensive side. Um, and I think they have a cornerback hurt too. Um, Hayward, I think, is hurt also. It's just pretty pretty lit, big litany of injuries there for them. Cleveland's offense should not be laying points on the road against good defenses if this is a good defense. And they have to worry about the Jack Conklin injury. A major one for them as a day three rookie steps in. Could see another big TJ Watt game three sacks last week what if he has another three here seems like another ugly game maybe the Browns score enough points to run away with it like they did against Cincy but for me I think the play here is probably going to be the under um even if it's only 40. Mm, oh if if it hits oh my gosh how boring will that be to watch play uh Larry your thoughts yeah this is another one of those spots where the instinct is back the Steelers they look terrible the Browns looked amazing but Cam Hayward being out is so massive especially against Nick Chubb who ran for uh, over 100 yards on only 18 carries I mean you have three guys that are irreplaceable on that defense Minka Fitzpatrick TJ Watt and Cam Hayward in the middle uh, I mean it is going to be a running game all day long they do replace Conk with a 6'8", 374-pounder out of Ohio State. I think he can run block pretty well. So I don't have concerns about the Cleveland doing what they want to do. So even though it's a great spot, I'm going to lean towards the Browns. All right. Very, very good. So that's all the games. So grab your paper. Grab your pencil. Here is the recap. I want you guys to go through your best bets and tell me why. Larry, start with yours. The Chiefs are 0-1. Do we think the Chiefs are going to start 0-2 against a bad Jags defense with Chris Jones coming back with 
uh, Travis Kelsey may be in the lineup. The Jags did not look that great, even though they beat the Colts by 10. The Colts were down in Jags territory many times, had a chance to cover, if not win that game outright. I'll take the Chiefs to get back to one and one and cover a small number. And the 49ers, to me, they are the class of the NFL right now. What they did was the most impressive performance. The Rams, I'm not buying in just yet. And Stafford has a very poor history against this defense. RJ. I'm taking the Bills laying eight and a half, laying all the way up to 10. They are going to destroy the Raiders. They are going to take out their frustrations of not being able to ever beat the Giants or have a good game against the Giants offensively on this this Raiders defense and score a ton of points here. Um, I also like Patriots plus two and a half. I think the market's kind of got a little bit out of whack. On this Miami game, they barely won that game despite how great Tua played. Their defense is an issue, and, and New England looks like the type of offense that is going to be able to take advantage of that based on what we saw against a very good Eagles defense. All right. Very, very good. You guys know I liked in every one of my specialty shows asking my guys, what's the number one most important thing they're looking forward to in week number two? RJ, let's start with you. There were several several contenders that laid eggs in week one. You know, you look at the Buffalo team that we were just talking about. You look at teams like, I would argue, Philly even. Um, the Giants um, might be a playoff team. People thought that they were probably going to be a playoff team. The Chargers lost. Chiefs, we know. Which of them show up? Because some of these teams probably are not going to be, um, you know, uh, playoff teams when all is said and done, you know, and this is indicative of, of future problems. But a lot of them are going to erase it. Like, we, well, I'm sure we all believe the Chiefs are going to turn it around. So we'll be interesting to see what becomes a one outlier and what becomes a trend in week two. All right. Maestro. Well, the 49ers look like a Super Bowl contender with not breaking a sweat winning at Pittsburgh. And now Bosa only played 35 snaps in his first game coming back from a holdout. He's going to play a full complement of snaps against a weak Rams offensive line. Let's see what the 49ers do. I think they're going to cement themselves as a Super Bowl favorite. I think after two weeks, we'll get a really good idea of where everybody falls in 2023. A reminder, our odds are always powered by our good friends at BetMGM. So with all that being said, there's only one thing left to do. And I believe you all know what that is. You've got your marching orders. Let's take all of these NFL tickets straight to the pay window. My entire crew, Lomo, RJ, Larry. My man Snake always on the ones and the twos. I am simply the coach trying to keep this train on said track. We grind for you so we can win with you. It's truly what we're all about every single day right here at the Early Edge. Good luck. Good luck.